0: Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari.
1: Hello and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Giannari and today I'm here with Ann Cardin. Thank you so much for joining me, Ann. How are you? I'm great, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. So Ann Cardin is a strategic business growth consultant and marketing and sales coach, CEO of A. Cardin, Inc., and founder of the Expert in You brand and programs. She is a three-time author and number one international best-selling author, speaker, and podcast host of Expert in You. Anne has more than 41 years of business, marketing, and sales experience. She spent 13 years in corporate business management, managing multiple million-dollar departments for a multi-billion dollar national retail corporation. She has been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, building and selling five previous businesses. Working as a consultant and coach since 2010, Anne has helped hundreds of coaches, consultants, and service businesses add hundreds hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to their business in over 50 different types of businesses. She has also trained and educated thousands of business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals through speaking, workshops, seminars, and social media channels. So this is so exciting. And then I also wanted to just recognize that you were recently inducted into the Who's Who in America for Entrepreneurship and into the Who's Who in America for Professional Women. So, 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 so impressive. Thank you so much for joining me, Anne. Thank you. It's my pleasure well i want to go ahead and get started with um you are a serial entrepreneur which i love those because i consider myself one as well Mm -hmm. and nobody really understands what it takes to you know start a business run that business exit a business, and then have the tenacity to go at it again. <laughs> so <laughs> We're a different breed of people, aren't we? <laughs> Are cr- crazy. Call us crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knowing knowing what it take, takes the first time, you know, you yes. think, okay, I think I did that. It hurt a little bit, but I'm going to go back in the ring and fight it out again. <laughs> so you know, It's funny you say that.
0: I, I, j- I actually just did an email a couple of days ago, and I said, I always thought starting a business was the hardest phase, but I realized (laughs) it's actually the easiest. It's easy to start up a business. It's when you are really trying to grow and do something really big that now you need to know some things, right? Mm, so.
1: Yeah, you you're so right because when you're mm. starting a vision, you have the fuel of hopes and dreams and vision and all those things are exciting, but once you're in the weeds of the business, you you have to constantly level yourself up and yes. and make yourself relevant and it is so hard. The middle is is the grind. That's that's the real grind, not the startup yes. part.
0: No, I agree, and I, I always thought, oh, I don't love the startup phase. I don't yeah. love the startup phase, but real and may, I think really I don't love the startup phase as much coaching yeah. as I do taking people that already have things and then helping them grow because that's where to me that's where the real fun is. Is yeah. like okay, how can we now really take you to brand new levels? But if I look back, I just look at how what a struggle that was for me, all the new skills you have to learn and yeah. all of the, you know, even leadership skills that you have to learn to run teams and run employees and um even simple things like taxes for employees, all those things that go along with really growing a business to higher levels. Yeah, so it's definitely hard. Yes. Yeah,
1: it, it really is. And then, you know, there's, there's all the, the, Kind of commentary in the books that say what you got, what got you here, won't get you there. And they're, that's so relevant. Right. 100%. And yes. so that's where somebody like you can come in and help somebody. You know, you're a coach. So somebody might be the best, you know, at what they do as their skill set. But if they want to move from being a a, a solopreneur into a mm-hmm. business that has employees and that can support, you know, a bigger payroll, then you're really moving into a different category. It's not just being a good at what you do. It's about being good at running a business. And that's a different oh, skill set.
0: So true. So, and there's a lot of skill sets in there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, you, there's also leadership and there's CEO. Yeah. You, you really have to start thinking like a CEO and you have to remove yourself from a lot of the daily tasks. And that's hard for entrepreneurs because it's their baby, right? But mm-hmm. your baby has to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're going to get anywhere, it has to grow up. Yeah. If you want to get out of really the like business is never easy. It doesn't matter how good you are in business. It's never easy. But if you want to get out of the hustle and grind being stuck to your business, then it has to grow bigger. Otherwise you, you really have just created a job for yourself.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. You're 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 doing the same nine to five stuff that you've always done. You're just working nine to Only nine. And hours. <laughs> you're working, you're working a thing? lot
0: more. What is the saying? I'm an entrepreneur, so I can work a hundred hours for myself because I don't want to work 40 for someone else. This is true.
1: Yeah, this is exactly true. But do you find and this is the struggle that I'm in right now is I've had employees with me for so long, or I'm so I, you know, I know I work in the business a lot and, you know, I'm the visionary and I'm the one who started the company, but trying to pull myself out of the, in the weeds business and, and be the CEO is harder for other people in my business than it is for me. And I don't even understand that part. So, um, do you find that, that people have trouble with that part of it where they're struggling with the other people in the business, letting them go?
0: Yes. And so that, that is also part of just being a leader and leveling uh-huh. up your business and really standing in your power and yeah, in yeah. your business. Oh my gosh, I could tell you so many stories of situations Because as you are growing, especially when people are growing with you, they were used to having that access to you. They were used to you doing a lot, picking up the slack and doing a lot of the things. And so in a lot of ways, they they sometimes feel very left behind. But Mm -hmm. here's what I tell people. The people that you start with may not be the people that you grow with. Yeah. And that's a really important thing to know. If they can't, Get on the bus, so to speak, with where you're going, where your company right. goes, is going, where the, your mission is, and where your vision is. If they can't get on the bus with you, then they need a different bus because, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you can move people into different roles that are mm-hmm. a better fit as your company grows. So I've done that in the past, but it is hard, but it, it's just like people that don't want to change. Yeah. You can only do so much, right? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that is a hard place to be, and and a lot of times that's that's one of the reasons why people struggle to step out of the daily task and sort of this guilt that goes on. Oh, I I've experienced all of that. Yeah. I'm
1: sure you have. Yeah. Because, you know, as a woman, you know, you have a heart to serve because of what you do, right. You're consulting. So you're taking all of your 30 years of business entrepreneurship and you're now turning that into how to help others. And I love that. But, you know, I, I think that as women, we have especially find it difficult to remove ourselves because like I have I have employees in the company and I have to constantly say, guys, listen, I don't want to be the bottleneck. And every time you give me right. something to do or every time you're waiting on me to make a decision or every time, you know, you you feel like this has to be, um, you know, you I have to be part of something. I'm the bottleneck. Like I have 20 things coming at me at a time every single day. And this is going to be one of the tasks. So if you can pick it up, I empower you go do it. Go do that. You know, go do it effectively. And I was like, and, and, you know, or it's, hey, let's go over this and we'll review it together tomorrow. And I'm like, no, you review it. And then you tell me what questions you have because I don't need tasks, I don't need right. to do lists, <laughs> and so we don't need to be in the weeds with everything. No, I on. don't need yeah. to be in the weeds. They need to take initiative and 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 do what they need to do on their own, and then come to me if they're having a problem. But don't don't expect me to do your job with you. Is what I right. my frustration. Right,
0: or I might as well just do it myself. Right.
1: Why do I need you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: exactly. But you know, you you bring up a good point. You it sounds like you are empowering your people. You're really giving them the opportunity mm-hmm. to step up. But this is really kind of where the rubber meets the road in businesses. Yeah, are these people equipped? Are they the right people to take your company into growth and to mm-hmm. to help you really achieve that bigger vision and You have to, we have to, as the CEO of our company, we have to make sure that we've got the right people on the bus. We have to make sure that we are, that they're either coming along, like they're supporting us and they have, they are in line with where we're going. Or again, you have to sometimes make hard decisions as a CEO, but you can't grow a company and reach your full potential if you are doing all the things that that you talk about.
1: Right. If I have to do everybody's job with them, then it it doesn't, it doesn't allow me to do what I need to do as a CEO, which is everything is different than what they're doing. So yeah, that's one of our struggles today. So or this week or
0: one of the things I tell people when I'm working with them is Mm -hmm. if you are working more than 10 to 12 hours a week in your business, you are losing money. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah. of people don't realize that and they don't think about that. And, and sometimes that's a way when you're, when you're trying to get your employees to come along with you and, and get on the same page as you, sometimes that is a way, look, I want to be around for a long time. I want to be sustainable mm-hmm. as this company grows. If I don't step into a CEO role, if I'm not allowed it, like if I'm not able to do that role. I, I, you know, I'm responsible for the people that are working for me to pay their paychecks. Their families are dependent on me. Your families are dependent on me. And sometimes when you can like, what's in it for them, besides just a paycheck, they, they can start now seeing, oh, okay. Because things fall apart, actually can fall apart a lot faster Uh as a company grows than when a company was small. And you've got a lot more to lose because now you have other people's Lives on the line as well. Absolutely,
1: yeah. People are depending on me to keep a roof over their head, and I can't do that if you know I'm constantly in the weeds in the business, and I'm not able to focus on growth and structure and you know the operations that need to happen in order for the business to move forward. So, yes, I I 100% agree with you. So, you've owned several businesses, and I love that you have successfully exited a few of those, and so you're still running the others, and so that that's to me very very inspiring. But what made you make the leap into coaching?
0: Yes. Yeah, so after building uh, five other businesses, I, in my last two businesses, I worked with a business coach. Okay. And it was so impactful. And it was so valuable. I was in a new market, i had opened two new businesses, it was during a recession. And mm-hmm. I couldn't get those businesses above break even, and everyone else was shutting down. Mm. and I didn't have a business problem as much as I had a marketing problem and I had also struggled with marketing so I hired a business coach I before that I didn't even know business coaches existed yeah yeah she was the first one to kind of come in my face and say hey I can help you and I, I didn't even really know how she could help me but I knew that I couldn't keep doing. Oh, actually, I take that back. I was running four businesses at the time. So I was going back and forth between the, the two. They were about an hour apart. And I did that for about a year. And my husband said, I mean, I was living those businesses. And yeah. Employees and both places running them. I was exhausted. I was on the road. I was back and forth. And my husband said, something's got to give. And that's when I made the decision to sell two of them. And so I hired her because I could not get the other two above break-even. And I was exhausted. And I just, mm-hmm. I didn't even feel like I even knew what to do at that point, even though I built all these businesses. Right. And it was truly a marketing problem. Like I was literally racking up credit card debt trying to market that business. And we were kind of a high end club. It was a different, a completely different market, a different city. I mean, everything was different. So I, I struggled. And when I brought her in, I mean, she turned me around in 30 days. It was totally a wow. problem. and it was so impactful. And I said, Oh my gosh, you mean I have control over this stuff? Yeah. And, and <laughs> That's said, awesome. Yes, you do. And so I really started learning. She she had she was one of Dan Kennedy's clients. So she had worked with Dan Kennedy for years. And so she was not just a brilliant businesswoman. She was a, you know, a multimillionaire. And she wow. was so brilliant. And um she was also a brilliant marketer. And that was the thing. It was, the, it was a combination of those two things together. Funny mm-hmm. thing though, know, she ended up copying my business model down the road for her business, wow. one of her businesses, which was kind of funny, but, but she did help me with the marketing side and it turned everything around. And all of a sudden I felt so like she really empowered me to take mm-hmm. that business to brand new levels And it was that, that I said, you know what, I want to do this for other people. And I, I literally became such a student of business marketing sales. Like I dove in, I said, I probably got a six year degree in a year. year. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. And, um, and I started realizing as I talked to business owners, oh, wow, I've actually acquired some knowledge here and Mm -hmm. I actually know some things that I could, could help them with. And, and so that was kind of how I stepped into it. So I still own those two when I started coaching and then just took off and I made the decision to go ahead and sell those others. Like they actually felt like they were dragging me down at that point. Right. Uh, Right. My heart heart was in coaching. I, I always say when I'm done with something, I'm done with something. I am that kind of like, it takes a lot. And then when I'm finished, I'm out. Yeah. And that's how I felt with those two businesses. It's like, no, I think this is my bigger, this is my vision for yeah. where I want to go. So
1: Well, I love that story because, you know, so many times in our business, we feel stuck and we immediately think it's the business, right? Like, nope, the business is just not going to work. It's there's a problem with the business. And sometimes it's a problem with us. And sometimes it's a problem with the vision. And sometimes it's an exterior, you know, an external problem. But we just got to figure out what that is. And we can't just quit. You know, it's just similar to being in a marriage, right? Like, you don't just quit when one thing doesn't quite feel right. You got to, you got to keep going and figure out, you know, the, the root of the problem and not just, you know, the surface of, of, yeah. you know, what it's showing. Cause typically but that's really something. the value of coaches.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I wish I would have had coaches all through the years. I can't even imagine, you know, where I would have been. I, I would, the thing that I would say is things would have happened faster uh-huh. and they would have been less costly. So not oh, only yeah. I made a lot more money, because they could have shown me ways and paths to do that. But it was what they could have saved me Mm -hmm. along the way. And also how fast things could have happened. And that's, to me, that's really the value of coaching. It's like, sure, eventually you can figure everything out. I mean, but it's a slow path. It's like, do you, I always say, do you want to take the horse and buggy to your success? Or do you want to take the jet plane? If you Mm -hmm. want to take the jet plane, Work with someone who knows what they're doing, because even when you, you know, what's the saying, when you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label. And yep. that's not true. I always say when you're playing the game, you can't see, when you're in the game, you can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, you can't see what's going on if you're a fan in the stands and you can see the whole ball field and you can see all the bleacher, you, you can see all the fans. But when you're in the game, you can only see one little piece. And mm-hmm you need that outside perspective. And because we have that today in the marketplace, that's why more and more millionaires are, you know, coming up every single day. It's like a thousand a day now in the United States, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's all because of what we have access to that we didn't for many, many years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. And the knowledge is out there. There's so many resources. I remember when I first got out of college, I was reading tons and tons of books because I had a psychology degree, but I decided to start a business. And you know, those two those two things just didn't go together. And so I'm trying to learn about how to run a business through books. And so you can only consume so many books in a, you know, in a month. And so I was trying and trying and trying to just like catch up and feel like I could keep up with you know, how fast business was moving. And you just can't, you know, you need somebody who's been there. And because I I made all the all the bad mistakes, all the costly mistakes, you know, myself, and then I learned from it. But you know, it's much better if you can, you know, somebody else can guide you along the way and help you avoid some of those pitfalls.
0: Well, and it just keeps you there's so many benefits, like it keeps you focused. First of all, it's like, okay, where are you trying to go keeps you focused? Mm -hmm. It keeps you on course and it you know helping you course correct along the way and i when you get to a level in your business where you're a, you're kind of at the top and you don't have anyone right you need you need a sounding board you need someone that has that experience that can they can interject that experience in and guide you to go the right direction and overcome things much faster. And sometimes just giving you even that moral support that you're doing the right thing, because making as your company grows, as your business grows, decisions get harder and yeah. sometimes you have to make hard decisions, whether it's <laughs> with employees, like I can tell you so many business owners I work with, and they just held on to employees too long that were just literally a cancer to their business. And but mm-hmm. it was so hard for them to let go. Like, I, I remember one client, he said, Well, I'm so afraid this, this, guy has been so ingrained in my company for so long i'm afraid if he leaves that he, everybody will go with him because everybody likes him and and all of that and and so we what, you know we started preparing for that i said then don't put yourself in that situation where if everybody walks out you're up a creek let's start hiring let's start interviewing people and mm-hmm. start preparing for that to to give him an exit and that is exactly what he did. And and long story short, nobody left except him anyway. Yeah. Which typically what they fear the most doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But it just gave them that, um, it just gave them that kind of security that okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna be okay even if people do walk out or even if people do leave. And so just something as simple as that, but that's huge for a company because if you sit yeah. there and, and you sit on that, it just eats at you and it takes you away from, it takes that energy and everything away from the big things that you need to be doing in your business and in your company. So,
1: Oh, absolutely. I know for certain I've held on to people for too long, you know, people that I knew just were not adding value to the business. In fact, they weren't just not adding value. They were taking value out of the business. And I just, I, you know, I think like, like, many women, we have that hope that you know things will get better. We have that empathy. Yes. It'll be okay. They're going through a rough period, but really, like it's, you know, they may have gone through a, you know, they may have been on the positive swing when you first hired him, and so you had better aspirations than who they actually were. But yeah, yes. it's it's a tough call. It's a really tough call on when to let people go. and we always tend to hold on for a little too long. yeah, uh, it's a tough one
0: well as women, I think too, we, you know, we're kind of survivors, right? And we we are the benefit of the doubt. And we want to, we want to always think the best of people, but, but it's kind of like what I said at the very beginning, when we were talking, sometimes the people you start with are not the people that can grow with you. And you just have to realize that there, that is going to happen along the way, because, and, and often, sometimes you just need new skill sets. So there's that but often it's because they won't change. So that's a them problem. I mean, it truly is. As yeah. long as you give them the tools and the support and everything to rise up with you, you can keep, I had employees that I kept for many, many years and they grew with me, but then I had other employees that were not ready, you know, were not willing to do that. Didn't like that. It was growing. They didn't like that. It was getting bigger. And those are not people that are going to have the best interest of the company. So you can't keep them. It's just mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but they kind of made their own bed, so to speak.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So as you're starting your business, you, I'm sure, have gone through so many obstacles. Can you tell me a story about one that is particularly challenging where you had to overcome a, a major obstacle in starting a business or running a business?
0: Sure. I feel like I just talked about
1: this. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs)
0: Um, Yes. So, so there was a time when I had, I had a health club. Mm -hmm. It was a good size health club. We had actually just expanded it. And then the recession hit the Mm 2000 recession hit. Um, Excuse me. And at the same time, we had a very low price competitor come in right down the street. Now this was in a small town, so it's not like we had hundreds of thousands of people. We did not. Yeah, And so it was kind of a small, small pool of people. Um, And so everything just hit all at one time. And so I made the decision. I really felt like I have to expand if I am going to stay in business, because as the economy hit and people were starting to struggle I Mm -hmm. knew they were going to be jumping to the lower end club, but I also knew what my overhead was. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that I couldn't afford to go to the pricing that they were going to because my club was much bigger. It was much larger. But their little, their pricing was very, very compelling for people. Right. So I started preparing, okay, I have to set us apart. So I actually invested in a uh, licensing for a weight loss center. So mm-hmm. we, we added a weight loss center to my business. I also had to, I had a whole new team and a whole new uh a handful of people that ran that. So I had all of that expense. And then I made the decision to open two more. So long story short, we had to take out a loan and put everything on the line, our house, our property, everything we had acquired, we put on the line for that loan to expand. And wow. everyone else was shutting down. So it, right. was, it was super scary. But I just really believed that if you know, I, I couldn't afford to lose what I had already built up. Yeah. And I really believed that the answer was to go bigger. And I was able to really get some huge benefits by making that leap because everyone else was shutting down. So guess what was happening? Rent was cheaper. Mm-hmm. I could find employees really easy. I found great employees because other people were laying off. I was able to get some build-out money from the, the, um, place where I was going to rent. I, there was, and I even got some advertising, um, costs reduced. There were so many benefits because everybody was hurting and everybody yeah. was like, yes, you want to open? Of course we'll work with you. Right. That turned out to be the best decision we made, even though it was the scariest, but I yeah. was able to sell all four of those businesses later. And, and it changed our lives financially. It, it gave us financial freedom. And it just it was life changing. So wow. Well,
1: uh, I love that. And what I love about it is the audacity that it takes to make a decision like that. When Uh everyone around you is shutting down and the economy is out there and the news is like, it's so scary. The world is scary. Don't, you know, save your money, don't spend anything. And, and you're like, No, we're going to double down, like we're doubling down on this. And so you did. But the The audacious decision making—that's that's that's what I love about it.
0: Oh gosh, you know when I think back now, and really, what is the first thing to go when the economy, uh, you know, takes a takes a dip, is people's fitness and their Uh health club memberships and things. I mean, it was a bold thing, but there were a couple things that really saved us, and the reason why it worked is one people when they when the economy's tough and things are tough, they start sort of looking inward a lot of times and that like weight loss, the weight loss took off
1: mm. um, people
0: didn't feel good, right? They were stressed out. they and so they started looking for ways to feel better physically. So that was the first thing. The other thing though is that we stayed in the premium market. Yes, in a premium market, they're not as affected. And Mm -hmm. that was the difference. And that was the thing that saved us is that we stayed premium. And we did new clubs too. And and that's why it worked.
1: Well, if you look at 2020 and, and you think, okay, all these people are losing their jobs, but the rich are getting richer. And why That's is right. that? And it's because the, the you know, the wealthiest, they're not as impacted by economic downturns because right. they have multiple streams of income. They've reinvested, they've set up trust. Like they have so many safeguards yes. against, you know, this, the inflation and the economic, you know, impact that we have as, as regular, you know, middle-class, lower-class class doesn't matter. You know, Actually, we're not, they, they come out better. They do. They do come because out better.
0: As things drop and things go lower, they actually uh they actually spend less on things.
1: Right. Than- well, and they're able to capitalize on opportunities because that's, that's the one thing people don't realize is when you have a recession like we might potentially be going into right now, that is the land of opportunity. You know, yes. if you can get in during a recession, the chances of success, because at this point you're you're climbing the mountain, right? And so you're climbing the mountain and you're only going up it's tough but you're going up whereas Mm -hmm. if you like everybody who jumped into real estate in the middle of you know the pandemic when real estate prices were surging well you know what they were on the downslide so the only way to go is down so now they're regretting being in you know realist some are regretting being in a market where they got in at the that the the peak of the market and now they're going down and wondering why well it's it's now, best to get in like on the ground
0: me, i was waiting for it to go down because yeah i'm like okay already looking you know where yep. can i invest and 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 that's what people don't realize and so if you don't ever if you don't multiply your money and and you don't have money sitting there that you have that opportunity now you can invest um and you're not you're not afraid to do that and as right. you do this a few times you you're like yeah it's going to come back you know it's going to come back sure. at some point then you can capitalize on those opportunities and that is why the rich get richer that's why people get wealthier and they they're just not affected by a downturn. In fact, mm-hmm. like I said, they actually come out ahead because they don't spend as much for things They because everything drops, right? And mm-hmm. people are desperate. So that's why I'm just such a believer that staying in a premium market um, it is definitely recession proof because-
1: yeah. Well and yeah. that that well and there's nowhere to go when you're already at the the lowest part of the market and you know no. um you know when we talked previously this is one some, something that I brought up is that we just lost a major client to a you know to they they came back and said we decided to go low bid And it's just such a, you know, stake in the heart when they say something like that, we're going to go with the lowest bid, because we'll never be the lowest bid, we will never, ever, ever, you know, God willing, be the lowest bid, I don't want to be the lowest bid, I want to be a premium product. And for anyone who's going to go lowest bid, you know, there's, there's this understanding that you are you're risking some uh, very important things when you go low bid, quality details, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that you could potentially be risking. And in my business, which is security, more than likely what you're risking is the patrons or the people at your facility. So, you know, they're the ones paying the price
0: when you talk about that um yes you're absolutely right first of all quality is going to suffer but mm-hmm. when i when that low price competitor came in for example and this is this is something that i want to share with you is sometimes yeah. those low bidders don't make it they don't survive anyway mm-hmm. they might cut you off this time but the long haul is they're probably not making enough money that they're going to be sustainable right and that's what happened with that that club. Years later, they came back and wanted me to buy them out.
1: Oh, and interesting.
0: Yes, and so I—I I was already out of the fitness business by then. I was coaching and, and uh-huh. helping people in their businesses. And they called me and they said, "We would like to exit, and we want to know if you want to buy us out." Well, I did not think I wanted to get back into the business, but I thought I'll go talk to them because I—I I can just put somebody else in there to run it,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: if it's you know. But I always knew here here was the thing when I was going through all of that and they, they it took a hit because they came in as a low price competitor. I always did the math in my head. Like I knew what they had to be paying for their building. I knew mm. what they had to be paying for all the stuff they had. And because I knew what the, I knew what it took to run the, a business like right. that. And I always would say, I don't even know how they're doing it. I don't even yeah. know. How doing it. And that was always my response, I don't even know how they're doing it. They can't possibly be making any money. Mm -hmm. And so long story short, I go in to talk to them about buying that business and they opened up their books and I said, It's never made a profit. And she told it's never made a profit. Wow. All those years. And I I thought and she said we actually we did it because we wanted to give our our son our daughter a place to like run a business, but it never made a profit in all those years. In fact, it lost money, but because they were, they had a lot of assets and things and they had money and they had deep pockets, they just used it as a tax write off. Wow. So in that situation, <laughs> somebody was backing that, but that's yeah. not always the case. So anyone else that is lowballing, thinking they're going to get, you know, thinking they're going to get work. A lot of times I have worked with multi-million dollar companies that are not making any money. The owner's taking $25,000 a year. The the business is broke. Like it, they're literally the next, if somebody doesn't mail in their check to yeah. pay them, yeah. they're out, right? And so that happens a lot. So you can't ever look at something and say, you know, we you might get hit this time, but they're probably not going to be around for the long haul to hit you. Yeah. 10
1: right well and it's only going to take one major lawsuit for them to be gone you know that's because they're going to cut enough corners and they're somebody's going to get hurt there's something that's tragic is going to happen because they're they're just not doing what they need to do as a security company or you know uh insurance and training and the so, so many things that create overhead but also create value for our company mm-hmm. you know they're going to miss something and it's going to be a lawsuit and that's it'll just take one. It only takes one. So yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah. It really is unfortunate. But you know, I think every business has their low ball competitors. And you always wonder, like, you know, is it worth trying to drop our rates for? And I always say, no, we don't we don't swim in gutters. So we're just going to keep where we you know, we're going to keep flying high with the eagles and and we can let them swim in the gutter. But we're not right. going to we're not going to do that.
0: You know it's interesting when you're talking about this. This is something too that I've done this little exercise with clients over the years mm-hmm. when they're afraid to stay at premium prices or even get into that market. And yeah. so I do the math with them and I say, okay, let's just say you lose ten clients charging what you're charging,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, let's and let's look at if you if you didn't even get any new clients, but these were now your prices, and you you were just sustaining they're always making more money, even if they lose 10 clients. So if really? You do math, yeah. And, and it's, I'm just using 10 as a number, sure. but if you do the math, you will see that you actually like if you came down to that bid, you would actually see, wow, I would have to, I would have to lose this many clients before it actually would impact my business. So when you're working mm. at those higher fees, you're yeah, Obviously, you don't have to work with as many people. You don't have to have as big of a team. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to have as many employees. There's so many benefits that people don't think about when you're working at the bottom. You've got the hardest business ever right? because it's going to take so much to manage so much more team, everything, because it takes so much more to make any kind of money. Mm-hmm. um it, it's like Walmart versus name and Marcus right or Walmart absolutely and so a lot of people don't realize that I I teach people how to build a million dollar business with a handful of clients that's my yeah. Pick, right yeah yeah um yeah, yeah. or you can teach you can have a million dollar business with you know a million one dollar clients I don't know you decide which is going to be harder I personally mm-hmm. think the the $1 clients
1: are going to be harder. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I agree with you. I always say we put just as much work into those clients that are, you know, um the smaller clients that are, have, Warm. you know, very low over, overhead and like I might as well go do the the higher revenue stuff because I'm just going to it's going to be a whole lot less headaches. This is what yeah. we don't do. We don't do B2C. We don't do business to consumer. We only do B2B because I'm like it would take 100 clients for us to make what we make on a business client. And right. they're going to they're going to take, you know, not just 100 times more effort, but a thousand times more effort right. because everybody thinks their one personal event is the most important thing that they that that is going on in the world. And, you know, from our side, it's like, OK, that's that's going to be a challenge. So we we just don't do B2C. Yeah,
0: I agree. I most of the people that I work with, I move into the B2B market or into the professional space if they're not there. Because of exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. uh, there's more money, you can mo- you can be more premium. And quite honestly, it is, it is less work.
1: It's a lot less headaches. Well, because, you know, when you do the B2C, people will take advantage. You know, they, they, they think if they complain enough, they'll get a discount. If You know, it's just there's a lot more that you lack the professionalism. And without the professionalism, it just increases the number of, of challenges that you're going to have. So, you yes. know, when you're working in B2B markets, you have that professionalism people are going to maintain. They understand not to burn bridges in an industry. And, you right. know, you want to do the right thing for each other because you're both in business. Business. So yeah, I, I agree. So tell me, um, as you're going into the coaching world, which is a, a totally different animal than running a business, because now you're helping other people run their businesses. What do you find to be the biggest challenge among small business owners or mid-sized business owners?
0: Yeah, I think it it goes back to some of the things we already talked about. Is help, is them getting out of their own way?
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: thinking bigger, it's having a bigger vision and allowing someone else to help them. Mm -hmm. They often think that, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And so what you know, is only going to get you so far. And that to me is the hardest thing to get them to do or even think bigger, think beyond just staying small. And a lot of people say, well, I already tried big and it didn't work. And so I went back to being small. I'm not right. saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just sure. saying it, you probably it probably outgrew you and you didn't know what to do. And that's, to me, that just says more about the person running the company that they needed some help and they needed some new skill sets and they needed a little to really level up. So that's the hardest thing is getting people to step up and level up and go bigger. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have that sort of that mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is a challenge because you get, you get so much in the weeds and then you think, okay, if I, if I, if I grow my business by 10 times, I don't have 10 times the amount of, you know, capacity on my time and my effort and but it really isn't 10 times it's it's Less. not it, yeah it doesn't grow it's not that way it's just it's hard to envision when you haven't been there
0: right no they do they they equate more money with working harder they uh-huh. equate more money with more time away from their life well it can be that way if you don't sure. if you don't put the right things in place if you don't structure things, but I always say that nothing's a bigger hustle and grind than when you're at that low level in your business yep. and yep. everything's dependent on you because you right. don't have the money. And you, you know, you, like there's this, there's sort of this bridge that you have to cross over, right? Like yep. you're you're here, you're small, you're ready to go big and you have to make that leap. And, and a lot of people are just so afraid to make that leap. They just, they're afraid of, they think if they lose money at any point, that that's a bad thing. But as you're, Mm -hmm. as you're growing, you will at some, you're putting money back into your business. So you may not see the money, but then you'll get to a point where now the money just comes in. And that's a very different place. And it's a very different life.
1: Oh, it very much is. So you talk a lot about marketing and sales, and that just kind of it tends to be a driver and, you know, revenue drives businesses. We know that, right? So if you don't have the revenue, it doesn't matter, you know, you can't really do as much marketing, but you've got to keep that funnel filled. And that was a challenge that I had when I was building my business is I was the recruiter, the salesperson, the janitor, the, the, you know, I was everything, the scheduling. And so, so I would get, you know, I would start, um, working a lot of events, I do all these sales, and I get all these great events lined up, and then I'd be working them, be like me myself, working all of these events, and and keeping it all going, and doing the training and the hiring and the you know, and then going on site for all the events, and then we'd get to the end of a run of events, and I'd have nothing because right. I didn't have any the time marketing. to do sales or marketing, and then I'd have to like get back to the sales and marketing, and then all of my employees would go away because they had two months without work, and so now I had to go back to the of hiring and training yes. <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible cycle and I just couldn't get out of it. so you know what do you recommend as far as sales marketing um you know what what advice would you give to people?
0: yes the first thing is you can't ever quit marketing wouldn't you I always say wouldn't you rather have a waiting list or be turning people away yeah because you have too much business coming in so if you quit marketing, you you get on this is where you have the feast or family mm-hmm. roller coaster which is also an emotional roller coaster i just yes. want to say that right <laughs> um, not just feast or famine but mm-hmm. but if you if you just keep the marketing going no matter what and and you have to put a marketing system in place so it gets to a point where the marketing can't just be dependent on you Angela you You now have to create a system. How can you bring in clients? Maybe you need to hire a salesperson to go out and build the, you know, do get business and, and Mm -hmm. bring business in. And so you have to take that leap to let other people help you build that and keep it going because worst case scenario, you're turning people away because you're so busy. Right. And that's not a bad place to be, right? Because then you just keep, you can keep raising your prices and then it's the premium clients that you get, um, that will really, and they'll, that will help you expand even more. But most people don't get enough clients where they can say, okay, I've got more than I can handle. We're going up on price. We're going to, you know, if you're willing to pay it, then, then you can come in. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can't, you have to keep, you have to keep filling that pipeline and you have to keep the momentum going, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, your company can be quickly forgotten about.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: um, like you said, you can't sustain employees or anything. You, you can't be as good as the next, the next event, like, right. or at the last event, right? You have to have business consistently coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's understanding your sales cycle and what it, you know, what you do need coming in the door and all of that, but never, never quit marketing. I don't care yeah. how busy you get, you have yeah. to have a system.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Even if it's to put a wait list on, you know, even if it's yes. to say, hey, we'd love to help you as soon as we can. Um, that way, people know like, hey, I missed the opportunity to biz- do business with, you know, Titan today, but in a couple of months when they're free, I'm going to come back and and hopefully you've built up that demand so uh we talked it about you
0: look good as a company yeah if, oh yeah we're waiting for your services absolutely
1: so. well and we've started started to get to the point where we we charge a premium now for things like last minute bookings, because like, we're so busy. If you're going to put that kind of extra pressure on us, you're going to pay for that because (laughs) it it is, it is so hard to, to manage what we have. And we're trying to do it in a way that is beneficial and adds value, but we can't do that if we feel like we're rushing anything. So we don't like to rush just like they would charge you for a rush print job or shipping, you know, same thing. I do
0: the same thing. It's like, help in 90 days you want an intensive you want things to happen fast great you're gonna Mm -hmm. you're not gonna pay less you're going to pay more for that right because it is more pressure and it is um so yes i I, that's just smart for you to do that um Mm -hmm. and you deserve to make that extra money if you're putting more pressure and or having to bring an extra team or whatever that is going to be uh to uh, to fill fulfill their needs then you you know, that's, that's a great way to do it. So
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you talk a little bit about LinkedIn and how valuable LinkedIn is for for business owners and professionals and entrepreneurs. So can you tell me a little bit about your strategy for LinkedIn and what we as business owners can be doing to to increase our viability on that platform?
0: Sure. Well, I think anyone who's in business should be on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. even if their primary people are not on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a professional site, right? So Fortune 500 companies, I mean, all Fortune 150 and they're all going to be on LinkedIn. High level professionals are on there. Forty three percent of the world's millionaires are on LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah, those are important things to know. Um, 63% of decision makers are on LinkedIn. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, so, so everyone should be there. Now, maybe your ideal clients are not on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is a search engine. So when you optimize your LinkedIn profile, it comes up at the top of Google, just like your website. Mm-hmm. So somebody were to search your name, you want that LinkedIn profile to come up. Yeah. And if you set your profile up, right, it's almost like a mini website. Uh, there's nothing else out there. There's no other social media platform that's like a mini website. You can have all of your work history. You can have all of your experience. You can have recommendations. You can have your education. You can have featured things that you want people to see. You can have a newsletter on LinkedIn. You can have a blog on LinkedIn. I mean, there's no other platform that is as robust as that. Think about yeah. that, you know, so... It, it is a place where everyone should be, but you want to optimize it for your ideal clients. And you want to make sure that when you set up that profile, it's about who you're targeting and less about you. So there is a, there are places on there for you to have your company and what you're all about and everything. But where people make the mistake is they set up their LinkedIn like a resume and mm. you're not looking for a job.
1: Right, right. You're looking right. for
0: business. Yeah. So you want to set it up so that it's, relevant to the people that you want to attract. Mm -hmm. And you want to use it as an attraction tool. So that's the very first step in LinkedIn Mm -hmm. is making sure that profile is set up in the right way.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it also it helps you to build your own brand, right? So I think brand building is really important as a leader. So it's not that I'm trying to separate myself from Titan, my company, I'm just trying to build my own personal brand as well, because it adds value to Titan, because, you know, obviously, the the two of us are tied together. So two brands. Um, kind of in, in cohesion. So I, I do try to work a lot on building that personal brand and LinkedIn is a big part of that.
0: Yeah. Super excited because if you ever decide to, that you want to sell and you want to exit and you want to start something else. And that was, that was really why it was so easy for me to, to jump. When when I sold and exited, you know, when I exited my business, it was really easy to jump into coaching because people knew me. They knew what I was all about. Maybe they didn't even really remember the name of my business, but they knew me. And so it was really easy to step into that next thing, and and we all have a personal brand. You can either create your own, or somebody's going to create it for you. Trust mm-hmm. me.
1: <laughs> so, yeah,
0: this is true. So,
1: this yeah. is true. Yeah. I always say, own your Google reser- res- okay. uh, Own your go- Google results, because like with if somebody Google's my 100%. name, I know what's going to come up in those Google search engines, yes. and you know I want to control that to the best of my ability, and you want to yes. own that. So that means putting out as much good good content and as much relevant information that is aligned with what you're trying to build. And right. so, you know, I want it to be three pages of nothing but positivity and great, yes. you know, content.
0: <laughs> so yes. That's one yeah. of the things I help people do is really yeah. an expert authority brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when people do Google search them, they are, they really come up two or three pages is just, yeah. good stuff, just really good stuff. That just built you you have to know that when a business shows up like that or a person shows up like that, they've been around for a while. They're not right. just out there scamming people and right. Mm-hmm. So the other thing about LinkedIn though that I want to point out is it has the the um the greatest search engine as far as like, uh, or search capabilities, I should say. So for your target market, you can, you get uh, features on LinkedIn that you can't get anywhere else. So you can search companies by mm-hmm. revenue. You can search companies by, you can search people by their job titles. You can search, um, people, but you can search companies by how big they are. Um, by location, there's no other platform out there that you have those capabilities. So it's hmm. very much like if you were to go to a list broker and buy a list and say, this is what I want, you can do that right on LinkedIn. I'm never wow. navigator. So you can build your own list. And actually, truth be told, that's how a lot of uh, list builders get their list.
1: Interesting. In list. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, I had no idea because I mean, I use LinkedIn to post on a, you know, fairly regular basis, but I know I'm not doing it nearly as much as I should. What do you think people should do? How how often should you post on LinkedIn?
0: I believe daily. Yeah. And um, I, I know when you and I talked before that I said this, LinkedIn doesn't like you to be spammy on the mm-hmm. like, they're not looking for five and six posts today. In fact, they will kind of ding you for that. So if you are going to post more than one time a day, um you want to have like an eight hour window in between. So you could post morning and night mm-hmm. if you wanted to and kind of see what, how the algorithms the great thing about LinkedIn is it shows you, you have features where you can see how people engage on your stuff. Yeah, so you yeah. See how many views you got And and it, you, it really gives you great data. LinkedIn yeah. gives you great data. So you can use that to sort of determine what is going to work best for you. Is it? Is it going to be video? Is it? Are people responding more to your newsletter? Like what is my target audience responding to? And what is getting the most views and all of that? So LinkedIn gives you all of that data. But typically once a day on LinkedIn, you have to be consistent. If you yeah. want the algorithms to help you at all, you need to be consistent and LinkedIn rewards you for that.
1: Yeah. And the engagement altogether. And this is this is one thing that I'm not great at. I'll make a post and then I'll go on about my day and I totally forget about it. But you know, as people are reacting or as people are commenting, responding to them is, is also going to help you, isn't it?
0: Yes, it actually does because it, it not only uh helps the algorithms with when you respond, it keeps your posts going longer. Yeah. Because you know, it can will keep coming back up. But the other thing it does is it builds relationships with the people that are responding. And that is a way to open doors too. And there, you know, there's a lot of little ninja track tricks on LinkedIn that you can use or on social media in general. But Mm -hmm. that's one of them. Think of it as a relationship. You know, if somebody said, um, if somebody said, hi, Angela, and you didn't respond, well, how would that look? Right. You just <laughs> exactly. Away, right. Yeah. And so it really, you have to really kind of treat it that way. It really mm-hmm. is. Now, do we always catch everything? No, there could right. be so much, right? But for the most part, you need to try to do a really good job to thank people for responding. You need to do a really good job to just connect with people and let them know uh, you know, that you saw that they responded, all of that is just relationship building, but also LinkedIn loves that. And yeah. that's what they want. They want people interacting and and they'll reward you for interacting with people. Absolutely.
1: So, well, active engagement is just one of the best ways that you can really kind of get yourself out there and, yes. and make make your presence a little bit more permanent. Um, I talk about uh, permanence or permanence of presence when I, I did a keynote speech. And that's something that I think is really relevant. Like, you know, how are you? Will people know what you're thinking when you're not in the room? You know? And I think, right. so like my staff knows me well enough that I don't have to be in the room. They know I'm going to, how I'm going to react to a certain situation or how I would answer a question. And that's what you want. And the same thing with LinkedIn. Like I'm pretty vocal on LinkedIn. There's some things that I just flat out disagree with and I will put it on there, but not in a disparaging <laughs> way, but I will, you you know, I will speak my mind. So, you know, people know where I stand. Integrity is very important to me. And so I don't have any problem saying that. But um, yes. but also you, you just want people to know that even if you're not out there responding to something, like I've had people tag me in a post and they're like, we think you, this would resonate with you.
0: Right, <laughs> right right? Yes, I, And I think being authentic is mm-hmm. so important. And also, if you want to be seen as an expert and authority, a thought leader, you have to have an opinion. You do you have yes. to be a bit polarizing. Yeah. And you can't be afraid to speak your mind and and to say what you think. And you let you know, I mean, you just have to you have to do that. That's part of the platform. But that's also part of building your own credibility and your own thought leadership and Um, You don't want to just go go with the flow all the time, right? No,
1: I agree. But also, I I think as women, that's one of the things that's really challenging to us, isn't it? (laughs)
0: It's It's really hard. We're people pleasers by Uh nature. Yeah, we want people to like us. (laughs) Yes. It is really hard. It is Mm -hmm. really hard. Well, I say that I've probably deleted a couple things I think we have, right? Um, Yep. I, I used to do that in my earlier days. And then sometimes you just realize, I don't want to mess with this anymore. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just, if if I get something that I've said that, and I haven't really had this happen for a long time, but if I said something that was really polarizing and it just started us, you know, a story right. stuff, It's like, okay, now it's just taking me away from my business and I don't have time for this. So then you just turn it off or delete it or whatever, just to cut it off. So there there has to be, uh, I don't have all day to sit on social media and respond and get into arguments. So for that reason, I'm probably, I don't do as much of that anymore, just because I just don't have the time for it. Um,
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: But it it still is valuable to do that.
1: Well, I I agree. So you definitely inspire a lot of people in everything that you're doing and coaching and helping people build build their businesses, but who inspires you?
0: Mm. So I would have to say there are two people I I really um, think a lot of, and they're both in the business. They're both businesswomen. One is sort of an online guru, marketer, Shanda Sumter. I I love her. She's a Christian that aligns with me. Um, Mm -hmm. I I love her energy. There's so many things about her that I really like, even though our business models are very different. Like she's all volume and I'm like, right. Yeah, Yeah. Very different. But I just, I love everything about her. I think she's just a cool leader, but the other person is Sarah Blakely. And I think she is,
1: she is the epitome of um, a wonder woman. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, yes. she I follow yes. her on all the social media as well. And she's got yeah. the family and she's got the, the husband everything. and the business and she's, she's just out there all. crushing it. Yes. Exactly. I love her. She's, she's a sweetheart. People love
0: her as a person. Mm-hmm. She hasn't, she hasn't sacrificed everything to have, you know, this, have a billion dollar company. Um, I, I think I had told you too, that her story really resonates with me. She started Spanx right out of her living room yeah. and she had boxes stacked up and my first business started the same way, mm-hmm. a manufacturing company right out of my uh, spare bedroom in my house <laughs> and, and boxes stacked up, UPS coming yeah. to my house every day. And so her whole story just really, my, my business, that first business did not go to a billion. I just want to say that, Uh, (laughs) um, but she's just brilliant. And, and I think that success is when you can have success in all areas of your life, when you can look at everything and you know, your, your kids are well-rounded and you have great kids and you're, you have a great marriage and, and all these things, your faith, there's so many things that go into being successful. And I think Sarah Blakely is, just a true inspiration and a a great role model around women that want, want it all really to know. I don't, I don't want to sacrifice everything for my business, but so I think it's important to kind of keep that, keep that vision.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I admire her a lot. And I admire a lot of women who are able to have great balance and, you know, show the world that you don't have to choose one or the other. Right, yeah. like you really can you you can do it. you don't you can't do it all perfectly and expertly, but nobody can do anything perfectly. So let's just right. get beyond that <laughs> right? Right. So exactly. we're we're it's fallible. Interesting.
0: It's interesting. you talk about balance. I always say, I always say that there really isn't balance. Mm -hmm. When I hear people talk about, you know, life work balance, I'm like, no, I don't believe in that. I I believe the pendulum is always swinging, right? Yeah. The thing is, it's either you can't let it swing too far right for too long, Mm -hmm. and you can't let it swing too far left for too long. Like To me, the balance is having the awareness to know, oh, I need to pull this back. Oh, I need to pull this back. So sometimes your business takes massive priority and you have to get everybody on board with that. And then sometimes it takes the back seat a bit and because yeah. you've got other more pressing things in life going on. So to me, that's balance when you can kind of, kind of keep the pendulum kind of here and not so far here. If yeah. That
1: No, totally. Totally makes sense. I agree with you. So as women, we give our power away all the time. So, you know, whether it's give somebody else credit or, or, you know, allow somebody to take the power out of the, you know, out of, out of us running something, right? Like that happens all the time. We, we give somebody credit for work that we did or, uh, so can you tell me about a time that you gave your power away and then another time that you stepped into your power?
0: Hmm. Well, I'm always having to step into my power, but yeah. I, it's yeah. easy to give it away without realizing it. So mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, I ran a virtual uh, event and I had a room full of coaches, consultants, professional entrepreneurs, and I'm teaching them and training them. And what I didn't do that I usually do is establish authority at the beginning and say, okay, I'll have a time for questions. You can put the questions in the chat or write them down so you don't forget and then I'll have a time to do that. And I did not do that. And we didn't keep everybody's mics muted. And that was a huge mistake because then I had a couple of people that, as I started going through the content and teaching, wanted to know specifically about their business. And then I found myself coaching them in a whole room full of people. Oh, yeah. And that was giving my power away instead of saying, let's stay. I'll answer those questions. We'll keep those. We'll do that at the end. I'm a giver. So it's yep. really, I have to work on that consistently because yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me help you. Let me Yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was a perfect example of giving my power away mm-hmm. because I let that control the room instead of me controlling the room. And it was subtle. I mean, it was a simple thing, but it's those little ways that we do it. Instead of just staying in our authority and keeping control of things that we need to keep control of and and not letting people take us off of our game. And that's kind of what happened. It mm-hmm. took me a bit off of my game. Yeah. Um, also, I, I tell them, you have to have your cameras on. And I we even do a pre-interview with them and let them know that. So when they go off camera, I should step in and, you know, I should have stepped in and said, okay, I just wanted to stop for a minute and just say, everyone in here agreed to have your cameras on. Right. And so if your cameras are going on and off, that is a problem and it's disruptive to the room. Like that would have been stepping into my power. I did not do that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next time I Mm -hmm, will, mm -hmm. but you know, that's simple. That's a simple thing. As far as stepping into my power, I'm consistently doing that, whether it's with clients I've had, I I have a client right now that he's new to business. He's, he's so brilliant and he has all of this experience, but he's just not doing what he needs to do. And so I've had to have some, really have some hard conversations with him Mm -hmm. because I am never about just. Taking someone's money and not make you know not doing everything in my power to get help them get results, and so um, I had to have you know some very difficult conversations to get him moving, and we were able to accomplish that, which was great. But it's hard as a woman you have to step up and say, okay, I'm just I'm just going to call you know I'm just going to call it the way it is. This is what I've seen. This is the problem. You know this is where we need to go. This is the problem. You get their buy in. But that is stepping into your power
1: that yeah. is like, this is, this is what I need to do for you. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I love that because you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it can be really challenging when, when somebody else isn't doing, they're not upholding their side of the bargain. So even though That's they're right. paying you for you to help them. It's going to reflect poorly on you or on coaching in general, if they're not following through, because at the end of the day, if they go back and they say, oh, I tried coaching, it wasn't really that great for me. That exactly. then reflects on you, right? And so I love that you call them out on it and say, listen, I'm here to help you. I need you to be effective at your part of this so right. that we can bring your business to where it needs to be. So I right. love that you that you do that and that you don't just say, you know what, what he does with it is fine. What whatever and then yeah i
0: just, i'm just i don't i only work with so many clients and uh-huh. for the reason that for that reason there's too many people there's too many coaches out there that have programs that they really don't care it's like you're responsible we're right. going to give you the tools you're responsible for your own results and i do have that in my agreements and things like that but because i work with my clients even in my like i have a semi semi private masterminds there's okay. only six in there so yeah. it's really important that I'm still pouring into them and helping them get results and, and keep, you know, I want to uphold my end of it, but he told his wife and had to come to Jesus meeting with me. And
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. But you know what? It was exactly, I, sometimes I just have to find out why are you not doing what, like there's a reason why mm-hmm. you are not doing yeah. what you're doing. And I feel like I need to lead them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when people aren't doing things, there's a reason. And if we don't ever take that extra step to, to again, be a leader and step in and say, Hey, why is this happening? What's going on? Let me help you through this. And, you know, sometimes it's a couple things that you say that completely shifts everything for them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they become a rock star. And I, but I learned that from having umpteen employees and managing people and, you know, I, I've always just, I'm going to try to get the best out of you. And that's how I lead. That's the way I want to do things.
1: Well, and some people aren't ready to receive information, you know, and that's, that's another challenge I imagine you might have as a coach is that, you know, somebody may not be ready to receive the information until you find another way to let them understand the relevance of it. And so, or people just, um, there, An example I'm thinking of is we, we had a, um, I, I belong to a CEO think tank and we had a, a discussion a uh, few weeks ago and I got really frustrated because we were, you know, there was one CEO in the front of the room who was just, who was just, taking up everybody's time with the one same problem. We're all offering advice and we're all giving him, you know, our experiences. And he's like, well, but then this, and then like he had an excuse for everything. And he just, I, and finally I just said, look guys, we're beating a dead horse here. Like we're not getting through. He has to do it himself. It doesn't matter how much advice we give him. It doesn't matter how many real world scenarios. It doesn't matter how many banking contacts. It doesn't matter what we throw at him right now. He's not ready to receive it. Can we please Please move on until Um, he understands what the impact is. Right. No. Well, and he wasn't understanding the impact of how this could potentially grow his business, and you know the the roadblocks that he was putting up for himself. I said he's convinced himself that this was not going to work. So no matter what we say, yes. it's not going to it's not going to take an uh, an effect until he recognizes the need.
0: And lead a horse to water, right? But you can't. Hundred percent.
1: Hundred percent.
0: The great thing about. The the interesting thing and the great thing about coaching is Mm -hmm. I get to choose my clients. That's great. I don't work volume. If I work volume where I had salespeople bringing in people and I had no clue who was coming in, I would have more of that. I don't really have that because I I really do vet my clients. And I want to make sure that I feel like they're 100% aligned with where Mm -hmm. we're going. Mm-hmm. And that they're all in and they're coachable, and so I don't have as much of that. I have in the past before I figured these things out. Like yeah, I started I had the worst clients. I say, mm-hmm. I mean, that was the thing that made me take a step back in my business. I was so frustrated with the clients <laughs> bringing in. I <It> was like, <laughs> I want your success more than you. How can yeah? That no, this isn't working. Uh-huh. But I just had to learn. Okay, who do you know? Who are the people that make great clients? for me and who are going to go all in I will, I will go 150% with you, but you've got to do your part Mm -hmm. and you've got to be receptive. And so I don't have too much of that anymore. I just, if there's a reason they're not doing something, I have to find out what that reason is and then help them through that. So
1: that's awesome. Yeah. I can appreciate that. So what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Mm.
0: Learn business,
1: start. Yes.
0: And and you, where a lot of people think about, oh, okay, I go to college. I went to college, right? Oh, let's yeah, which am I going to go to? Now, if I had to look back, I'd say start business early. Like mm-hmm. when I see these kids that are starting businesses, and oh my gosh, their future is going to be set because they yeah. learn so much. They're learning real life stuff and mm-hmm. things that are going to carry them all the way into the future and. So honestly, I am just such a believer business is the way to wealth business is the way to be in recession proof. And, yeah. you know, I just, I, I'm just such a believer in it. So I think it's the best education you can ever get. Oh
1: my gosh. Yes. I agree. I agree. And, and, and not the colleges, you know, like my son has uh he's, he's trying to debate me. He's, he's, 16 years old, he's just started his second business, he started his first business when he was 13, profitable businesses. And uh, but he keeps saying, he's like, Mom, if I can make X amount of dollars before I turn 18, do I have to go to college? And I said, Yes, because college will save you from losing a million (laughs) dollars. And so it's just, you know, you need some good lessons that you can take out of a book and say, Good, I don't have to lose money to learn this lesson. (laughs) But I agree dive into business because I wish I had done that a lot earlier than what I did,
0: yes, I me too. Is I mean, I went the corporate route, and mm-hmm. not that that wasn't valuable, and that I didn't learn a lot about business, but I was playing with other people's money. Mm-hmm. I did learn a lot, so I I don't ever. There's nothing that I've done that I regret because everything yeah. you learn from, right? But I I really wish I would have stepped into business sooner than yeah. I did. I spent 13 years in in corporate business management, making money for mm-hmm. other people. So I wish yeah. I would have stepped to do it for myself. When I look back at what they paid me, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's just, <laughs> that's just wrong.
1: And how much you brought in for them, which is even, exactly. yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> so one last question. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. You're such a pleasure to talk to. Uh, what do you wish more people knew?
0: Hmm. I, oh gosh, I wish more people, it goes back to what I said. I wish more people knew the, um, the opportunities that are literally all around them.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: to a lot of people take the safe route or they think it can't, I can't do this. I wouldn't know how to do this. Just start open a door. Like if a door opens or, You look around and you see an opportunity, just leap and jump in because it will be one of the most educational, most fulfilling, most frustrating um, Hmm. things that you ever do. But on the other side of it,
1: gosh, there's there's so much. Awesomeness. (laughs) Awesomeness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Anne. I have really enjoyed our conversation. You are just so incredibly interesting to talk to because you have such great yeah. information to share with us. So, Ann, how can people find you? Yes, you can go to my website at analcardon.com or you
0: can Google me and yeah. you can go to my YouTube channel, LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook. You'll find me everywhere. Um, but yes, and if you want to book a call, you can book a call with me on my website or you can go to com and book a call if you want awesome. some help in your business.
1: Awesome, I appreciate that. And as always, you can find Anne Cardin on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. So thank you all so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank
0: you, bye-bye.
1: Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast.
0: And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own
1: power.